powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello! Hi, everybody. How's it going? Wow. Thank you so much for showing up today. Thank you. Thank you, Sit. Please, thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people, and I hope everyone had a fantastic holiday weekend. Only 27 more days until Christmas, folks. Before we get into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Dana Lewis Lefkowitz. What an absolute gem of a lady, and I had no doubt that her episode would go gangbusters like it did. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Dana's amazing interview, I encourage you to give it a spin after the conclusion of this episode. All right, so welcome to episode 104. We have a very special guest today. We have on the show actress Mayrov Zur. This incredibly talented lady is going to be talking to us about her one-woman comedic show, Inconceivable, the totally true one-woman semi-fertile quasi-musical, which takes a hilarious and honest look at the complexity of modern infertility. The show has been getting incredible reviews, and I hope all of my listeners will take a chance to check it out when they can. Let's get her out here to talk about this incredible show. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Los Angeles, California, the incredible May Rob Zur. Hello and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? Um, great. Sunny. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, but I did not grow up there. I actually grew up, uh, most of the time that I grew up was in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, I grew up in this one place, so not two places at once. So I didn't, you know, that's what I knew. Mm-hmm. And it was good. So what are your favorite memories from your time attending the Georgia State University? I don't know if there was anything. Okay, I got to say the cafeteria. <laughs> That was what I remember, just because it seemed to be that all those things went down there. Like, I always end up meeting up people there, the people that I knew, new people. And it was, you know, it was just like, it wasn't really a cafeteria, but it was, you know, the place where we got, where we got food for lunch and everything. It seemed like, you know, the, the cooler place, I guess. What was your major? Theater and education. Yeah. Did you, gra- did you graduate with a degree or did you? Actually completed my degree in Israel um, because I had oh. moved there. Yeah, during that time. And that was what, what I was studying to go into. I was always into theater, loved it, had education as my real job fallback career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, it was okay too. But I, I really, my passion was always in, in performing arts. Hmm. Which leads to the question of how did the founding of English on Stage come about? 
Um, so I had started my career uh, when I was living in Israel as an actor. Um, and so I started just like any other actor. I, you know, got an agent, started going for auditions, hoping the audition went well and that I got the gig and then did the gig and then did it all over again. And I quickly realized that um, I didn't really want to wait around for these opportunities. Um, and I didn't want to be dependent on so many factors that weren't necessarily related even to my talent or, you know, wanting it or whatever. Um, so I decided to kind of see, you know, what's what's going on in terms of what I could do. And when I had started uh, acting, I, I actually also got a lot of auditions for English speaking gigs. And I said, oh, OK, so wait, there's something in English here. Let me think. And and so then I started uh, thinking about the fact that um, in Israel, kids are learning English as a second language as early as third grade, sometimes first grade. And there wasn't really any kind of. Um, you know, any, any kind of cultural activity to back that up. So I decided that there should be something like that. And I created a play in English and I gathered some good friends that were, that were also English speaking actors. And, um, and that's how it all started. That's awesome. And then from there, um, you know, there was kind of demand for more plays for more age levels and then for, um, adults and families. And that's how things developed from there. So what about, in your opinion, what about acting appeals to you the most? I, I always tend to, to veer toward the comedy. So that's, that's my favorite. I love the art of it. I love the timing of it and, you know, the, the layers and obviously making people laugh and then working with, uh, you know, a partner on stage that you can kind of riff off each other. Um, especially when it comes to improvisation and unscripted uh, comedy. I love that. Um, and and anything related to, to acting that's involved with character work, I really, really like because it really lets you think about how people in the world generally behave and what are their, you know, uh, their, their actual challenges and what are they actually you know wanting out of something what is you know what are they actually going for what are why do they make the choices that they make so it really kind of lets you it's kind of like like a like a psychology therapy type of thing too mm -hmm. so you know i remember uh, i don't know if it's actually meryl streep who actually originated the quote but i do remember her saying it and it was um to act is to portray the inner truth of another human being Yes. And I love that line. Yeah. And it's so true. And it's and it's a great service in a way, because there's always, you know, besides the fact that you are seeing a story or listening to a story, sparking some sort of emotion in you, it's also letting you it's giving you perspective on people, the world, people, you know, yourself. It's a great thing. So what inspired the show? Inconceivable, the truly true one woman semi-fertile quasi-musical which by the way awesome title just Thank off the bat you. awesome title <laughs> it's nice and short <laughs> <laughs> but it, no it was it was purposely uh done that way because it's um so inconceivable is the the most recent show i've produced so i've been uh, basically creating and performing in shows since 2005 just you know, creating, writing, directing, performing in them. I was doing all different kinds of shows for years. 
But in parallel to that, in my personal life, I was experiencing infertility and I wasn't talking about it with anyone. And I made my husband not talk about it with anyone. And we had uh, experienced infertility. And for listeners who don't quite know what that means, uh, it's basically uh, trouble um, procreating, trouble having kids. So um, we experienced infertility and secondary infertility. And, um, and, and that whole time I wasn't talking about it and it was kind of you know, my own thing for my, for my many reasons, I didn't want people to, you know, to, to question and to get in my business and, you know, to feel any shame or anything like that. So kept quiet. Um, but then a few years ago, um, just something kind of clicked that I said, I, I think I'm ready to talk about this. Uh, but I didn't know how. And so uh, I was kind of in this frustrated situation because like, okay, now I think I'm finally ready to talk about it, but now what, you know, I've kept it secret for so long. I don't know how, I don't know what to do. And then I said, wait a minute, theater, comedy, I can do that. I can speak that. And so that's what I did. I um, literally invited some friends over because clearly if I figured it out that I'm going to use comedy and theater, I wasn't going to do it one by one. We'll have them all come at the same time. <laughs> and so I just just created a group text with my friends and said, Hey, come over to my house for cookies and hormones or something like that on, on so-and-so date. And they're awesome. And they, they did, they indulged me and they knew I do like a lot of silly stuff. They're like, Oh, what, what is that? But they really didn't have a clue what they were coming to. And I sat them in my living room and just basically told them what I had been experiencing the last few years, but I didn't tell them like a story. I told them, through silly characters and I use these weird props and I had these funny songs and I did it like through different kinds of, you know, mediums and, and that was it. And I, and I was done and I was happy with that. I was sure that when it was done, it, you know, we don't need to talk about it anymore. I literally went to the door and <laughs> opened the door and <laughs> expected them to file out and be like, okay, check, we're done. But, but they didn't leave. And they started, um, like things started to come up. They started talking about similar experiences that they had. And, and that was really fascinating to me because first of all, I didn't know that it would resonate that much. I didn't know that it would spark so much conversation. I didn't know that it was even something that was, you know, talked about. I thought I was the only one that was experiencing it, keeping it secret, whatever. And then I said, wait a minute, there are other people or what about this? What about the fact that we're like a group of friends, but we didn't really know all these details about each other. And, and that was fascinating to me. And, you know, my friends were super supportive and they were just like, you have to make this one of your next shows. And I immediately said, okay, funny, like you'd come cause you're my friends and you know me, but you know, who would come get a ticket to a show of, you know, some strange woman they don't know speaking about her, you know, reproductive issues and her vagina and whatnot. And, um, but I said, okay, I'll take it on as like a professional challenge because it, it would have been my first solo show, which I've never done. So I said, okay, I'll do it as a professional challenge. And that's how it started. I did it and I full on expected it to be a one night only event, but it just so resonated with audiences and it just became kind of like this, sort of mission that I was like, okay, now I have to have everyone see this show because it, it just did so much for people. Earlier today, I was telling someone that you were coming on the show and they looked up the show and they were amazed by it. And they asked me to ask you a question and I've written it down. Okay. And if, if you give me just, I'm going to say it to you. So um, infertility is an incredibly sensitive subject. How do you 
walk that thin line in your show between you know what is should be like appropriate one that's not appropriate i just basically feel like i i tell it like it is i'm not trying to make fun of it and so i guess i end up not making fun of it i'm not making fun of it it's a very loaded and unfunny topic but within it there are so many experiences that are so surreal and so ridiculous that they're funny (laughs) And, and i mean while i was going through it there were moments where i was like you know in the middle of crying and then saying these things of like you know what is it you know and it was just it was just ridiculous it was all these like kind of like juxtaposed situations sometimes and these ironic situations and it's just kind of funny and and that's where what i found you know was was um okay for me to talk about it and and then i just kind of said i'm i'm gonna wing it and do it and when i see that it resonates with you know others then i'm like yeah okay it works you know one of the things i've noticed especially me as i've gotten older and older in my marriage we've been married 10 years now is people ask us all the time like when are you going to have kids when are you going to have kids and people don't understand what a loaded question that can actually be because all right maybe you know hey we're just not ready for them yet or you know maybe just wasn't in the cards just or it's a personal choice we don't want to have them but people don't understand that there may be medical reasons behind it and it's very very upsetting it can be very you know have you and my wife i mean granted we just it was a choice we didn't want we didn't want to have them but people ask us all the time and they don't understand just how much that question can hurt someone even though yeah. they don't intend it to be that way but how much it can and i feel like your show is definitely a voice for that question yes thank you i i think you know most of us in the in the modern western world and and i guess most of the world this is what we know you have two, you know, people of the opposite sex get together, they make some sort of commitment and they procreate. That's all we know. Like that is that is how it is. And so that's, I guess, what's expected. So that's why people are, you know, asking because they're asking like, why aren't you going along with that story that we know? Like, why isn't that happening? And as if it's any of their business and it isn't because they're not in your life. They're not the ones going through the decision that you're going through or not, or, you know, having the kids or raising the kids. So it's, it is a very ridiculous question in many respects, but I get where it comes from. But I think a lot of people don't understand that in today's world, that path to parenthood, and if at all, is not linear by far. I mean, anything from that decision to not have kids to the decision to, to have kids and have them, can go in so many ways. It's not only not a straight line, it is jagged, it is loopy, it is up and down and crisscross and and loop-de-loop, it's everywhere. Because, you know, um, people don't understand that, you know, children come to the world in so many different ways now, not just, you know, a typical man, woman, pregnant, uh, you know, uh, natural pregnancy and, and a baby. There's, you know, uh, assisted reproduction, there's surrogacy, there's adoption. Families become part of through adoption. And, and there are also families that exist without children. And that's also a total legit family. <laughs> you know, I don't think people understand that. And there are also people that choose not to be with any partner, which is also total legit. Like they, you know, want to stay single for whatever reason. It's their prerogative, it's their choice. I don't think it's, you know, any of our business to to doubt that or or think otherwise you know it's funny i was actually believe it or not that it's just 
purely timely that this conversation is happening, but actually as, as recent as yesterday, I got that question. And I was at work and some lady much, old, much, much older than I am. And don't let the gray hair fool you, but much older than I am. And she was like, how long have you been married? I told my wife, we've been married 10 years and we just had our 10 year wedding anniversary. And she goes, well, why didn't, why have you not had children? I said, well, that's not really your, your business. <laughs> and she goes, then what's the, what's the point of you getting married? And I was like, I'm going to leave this way now. And we're going <laughs> to pretend this conversation never happened. Because yeah. if you indulged that question and actually went in to blame, she wouldn't have understood. She wouldn't right. have been, you know, she's not in that. Yeah. And that's why, yeah. and again, it's because everyone is kind of like locked into their, to what they, whatever they know, you know, right. and it's not yeah. necessarily what's happening. And I think that part of what I love about the show is that it's like people are the reactions show me that they understand that the main point of it is like just accept people everyone has their baggage everyone has their issues everything that people do is totally acceptable so long it's not bothering anyone else you know it's fine everyone will live their life and we're all trying to just kind of get by let's just live in harmony and that's it like we're you know we don't need to have a set of rules of how to you know how to be Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with May Rothzer. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths, you know, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Give a couple of friends of the show your attention, and we will be right back. Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovich, a.k.a. Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many this body ailments. what happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. 
and you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Don't leave my Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Jay. We all know that a lot of us spend most of our waking hours at work. So naturally, the majority of our stories come from the many different characters and situations we run into at the workplace. Because of this, we bring you the Toasty! My Work Life Podcast. On this podcast, we will be sharing your stories from the workplace, no matter what they may be, so we can all laugh and commiserate together. Does someone at work have horrible habits? Crazy bosses that have no idea what they're doing. Hilarious blow-ups from coworkers. Even if you just need to rant, we want to hear it. Everything will be completely anonymous, so don't be afraid to spill your guts. That's right. All names of people and companies will not be disclosed, so send us your best. No story is too small. Email your stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com. That's fmwlpod at gmail.com. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. For more fun content, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FMWLPod. We can't wait to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? If you want Kleenex for your classroom, maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on warriors. We've got this. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 104 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the creator and star of the show, Inconceivable, the totally true one-woman, semi-fertile, quasi-musical, Miss Mayrob Zur. So I want to take it back to the show. How long did it take you to actually compile the show, create the material, and then, you know, actually put a finishing touch on it. 
Yeah, so that uh, that night with my friends, I, I guess would say was the beginning, um, and it was very raw bits and pieces. But it wasn't really a show, uh, but I did base a lot of stuff from that. Um, and then from there until the premiere, it was about a year. Um, but that's also because I wasn't working on it every single day. I had other shows going on. I had other productions, so it wasn't work like every single day. But it was pretty much a year from from then. Um, yeah, a little bit. So what kind of response have you had to the show? It's been amazing. It's way beyond what I expected. You know, anything from people coming up to me after the show and saying, thank you so much. This is what I've been going through. And I've never, you know, no one's ever like really been able to tell it or thank you very much. This is our daughter's story. And we didn't really know what she was going through. Uh, and now we know or, you know, uh, things like that people that never even knew what infertility was and they're like oh okay well i get it now you know i didn't i didn't even know i didn't even know that my uh you know my coworkers are going through this or you know bosses or you know they're like i didn't know that my employees are probably going through this and like i didn't even know and it gives you kind of like this whole la other layer to the people around you that you're like thinking okay wait a minute maybe there's more to than just hey how are you <laughs> You know, and there's more to just seeing people, you know, that that person in the store or that person in your job or, you know, they're everyone, every single person is like this entire world. And I think they're it's been great to see the response that it's resonating that, first of all, if they don't know what it is, they're still laughing. And if they know what it is, they're laughing and you know, that it's not it's kind of like this weird group therapy kind of thing. Uh, but it's been really overwhelmingly positive and it's so great to see that it's that people can connect to it. That's amazing. I've read there are some um, accolades to go with this uh, show. Am I, am I reading that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I got an award for uh, best interactive show um, in New York city when I brought it there and critics choice and uh yeah and basically the the biggest awards are you know the comments i get from audiences because that that's the best that's what i'm doing it for anyway so it's it's yeah. great i have this um little guest book that i brought to the premiere show it's basically this big empty book and i i laid out in every in-person performance and with some pens and i'm like you know if you want to you know, just share your thoughts. I love to hear them, whether anonymously or not. And people write in and I love it. That's like my favorite thing to do after the show, because some people don't come up to me after either they're rushing out or they don't want to or whatever. So it's a great chance for me to see, you know, their thoughts. And it's I love it. That's a double edged sword for me, man. I I remember the first time I put the show out and, you know, getting the feedback and it was like, this sucks. Can't believe you're wasting your time doing this. Uh, I've heard better. You know, I've heard better shows and that was just my family. I was waiting for like what my real people were saying, you know, anyway. I love that. That was a comedy <laughs> right there. Uh, um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I have to admit that I've also had a little bit of negativity from from people like when I would want to, you know, if I had a show coming up and I wanted to promote it in certain groups. I, I remember one time I wanted to, to put it in a group that was like um, postings for infertility support. And I just said, I want to put it in there because it might help people just kind of like, you know, bring some levity at least. And mm -hmm. um, and then the the moderator was like, how dare you even do this? This is such a, 
um, you know, so private and raw matter and how dare you make fun of it. And don't you ever think of, you know, putting it here. And, and I was just like, okay, you know, I mean, clearly this person didn't look into see that it was, you know, it wasn't some person making fun of something they don't even know. Right. Um, but you know, I, I get it. And there are people that are quick to judge, but, but, you know, you just kind of keep going. So I want to move on and ask you this question. And is, um, what do you say to the claim that you made to me that theater is underrated? Oh gosh, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> so theater is underrated. I feel it seems to me that a lot of people that go see the theater are either somehow connected to the people performing in it. Like it's like, you know, the family of whatever. So they're go yeah. going or they're what's called like, you know, theater fans, theater nerds. They love that whole, you know, genre and they'll always go see a show because they love it. And that means that everyone else will not go see the show by default because oh, it's theater. It's like, you know, um, I, I don't do that. <laughs> I do, you know, sports, I do concerts. I don't do theater. It's just this boring, whatever. I'll watch a movie, I'll watch TV. But I think there's um, something very underestimated in the power of theater. It's something that you can't experience through a movie or TV, or it's like that, that magic that happens when a story is happening and you're kind of part of it, but watching and there are other people around you that are part of it, but not really, but watching. And it's this like singular moments in time that can't be replicated and it's happening right there. And of course, you know, the sound and the lights and, and all of that, that whole ambiance, it's this like magic that's, it's just indescribable and it can't happen anywhere else. And it can't be repeated. Like, even if you go to the same show, you know, even the big well-known shows on Broadway, they're never exactly the same every night. There's always a little bit because, you know, we're humans and we're not robots and it's like a lovely thing to experience. And the other thing I love about theater is that it's pretty much a complete mirror to real life. Uh, things that happen in the theater are are really similar to what happens in real life. And it's just lovely to see. It kind of lets you digest what's going on in the world through theater. Um, I think, you know, when, when kids get involved in theater, I, I think it's a wonderful thing because there's so much there for them to experience. And I'm not just talking about those who are hams and want to be on stage. There's also that whole, you know, collaborative feel when you're working together to create something, whether you're in tech or, you know, doing props or backstage or, you know, in front of house, all these parts come together to create these like, you know, consecutive magical moments. So it's awesome. We had um, very uh, three-time Tony winner and a choreographer. We had Hinton Battle on our show a couple of months ago. Absolute privilege of, to meet him. Uh, and he was telling about, you know, what the power of theater is opposed to, you know, walking onto a TV set or a movie or a movie set is that yeah. you get one shot at it. And if you mess up, you know, you, there is no, you know, reset. There is no, you know, take two, let's, you know, let's reset. And it said, it's, it's very, you feel very naked up there because if you mess up, the whole world is going to see it. And I yeah. found that to be, yeah, I found it to be very true. Yeah. And it's not just that. And that's why it's so much like real life, because that's what happens in real life. You don't walk into a bank and, you know, and say, hey, I'd like to deposit. Oh, sorry, wait, I messed that up. Can we do that again? Like, yeah, sure. you know, or you go into a job interview and you're like, oh, cut. Let's do that again. Let's do my makeup again. Like, it's not like that. 
So theater, like life, that that is it. It's one shot. And I think that's why it kind of ups the stakes in the performance. It makes it that much more, um, you know, powerful because people know that it's that one shot. And on the flip side of that, if there is a mistake, you can't go back and you have to play off of that. So um, using the mistake and working around that and moving forward with that is also fabulous to see. And I think that's what audiences love to see that, you know, if something messes up or whatever, and then people keep going, it just makes it that much more. Wow. You know, it's, it's <laughs> great. And that's how it is in life. You know, things will mess up, but you got to keep going. I will say this. Um, if you don't live in, you know, London or New York or something like that. I mean, obviously you don't have absolute 100% access to, to shows at any given moment, but I will say this, and this has been my personal opinion is Spotify and streaming services playing the musicals out there entrances people when those shows come to a, a town or city near them to go to that. Like we've got, um, six coming here next year to Tulsa. Oh, that is supposed I, to be an amazing show. I wouldn't even have known about it until, you know, it was streaming on, you know, on a playlist. And that's, I hear it's amazing. I've never seen Hamilton. Hamilton is coming here next year and I am dying to see Hamilton. I've seen, you know, we've heard the musical, you know, on audio. I saw the film that they put out on Disney Plus. There, again, like you said, there is something magical about putting yourself out there, watching this, you know, live show, it's, it's, it's more, in my opinion, it's more powerful than going to a concert. You know, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's more powerful. I mean, I think concerts now, and even like, I think the really good concerts, you'll notice that there's something else going on there. It's not just the music. They are trying to do some, maybe a storyline or something visual that's mm -hmm. besides the music to kind of get a story going, because that's kind of what, what, helps create that magic but it's still yeah you're right it's not the same it's not the same as a as a story from beginning to end with all these you know things that are happening and it's happening right then and there and even like you said even if you know all the songs that's even more powerful you know you go there and you you get to see it live mm -hmm. like you get to see what you know it's it's the best so in your acting career uh who is someone off the top of your head that you would just absolutely love to collaborate with Living or dead or just living? Ooh, that's even better. Let's take it a step further. Yeah, both. I mean, Robin Williams. Uh, of course. Yeah. Legend. Tina Fey. Uh, Wayne Brady. I just think th these people are just like geniuses, uh, specifically in the realm of improv, which I love. Of course, you know, Meryl Streep. I mean, wow, that's like, there's so many out there that I think are just, so powerful and so good and so inspiring i mean yeah you mentioned robin uh, i feel like once a month someone comes on my show who has either worked with or interacted with him at least once in their life and the stories they tell make for just some of the best episodes i ever release yeah because they all universally have one thing in common he was the nicest most friendliest humblest person you could ever want to meet yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's first or foremost is from, you know, when you hear that, it just makes you be like, yeah, I definitely will, you know, I would definitely <laughs> want to work with this person. I think that's, um, one of the, the most important things is when you're, you know, meeting someone or working with someone that they're also like, you know, good people. So as an actor, what would you say has been the hardest obstacle that you had to overcome? <sighs> um, hardest 
would be, I guess, the business of it. Um, because it's not, unfortunately, it's not just going and doing the art. Um, especially when you're starting, especially when you're on your own or when you're not a celebrity, um, you really have to put a lot of work in to, to get people to your show, to get people to notice you that you're, you know, doing what you're doing or to get, you know, that audition or to get whatever. Everything is like, there's a lot of business around it, which is very tiring and frustrating and not at all in your skill set. <laughs> initially and you end up having to develop this whole new you know role and so that i think is the biggest challenge all right so that leads to the next question and that is what is next for you more shows um mm -hmm. i do want to kind of um explore inconceivable to the fullest i don't think it's reached its full potential um basically because it, it premiered and really started to take off right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic pretty much shut down everything. And so only now I'm, I'm, I can sort of slowly, it seems like things are getting kind of back to something semi-normal, but I really, you know, I really want to do a lot with the show. I want to, I want to have it seen by as many people as possible. I want to have it become possibly a Netflix comedy special. Like I, I want to do a lot with it. Yeah. Mm. So I like to ask one fun question before we reach the conclusion of this interview, and that is when you're not, you know, entertaining the masses, what, you know, what sort of shows, what music are you into? Comedy. I mean, by all means, I love the really good comedy shows. And uh, for when you say comedy, are you talking like stand up? Or are you talking like like funny movies or? I love stand-up specials too. Uh, I love watching that. I mean, I think, you know, stand-up is a whole other art form in itself. That's also underrated, um, but it's it's really an art form and I respect it and love that too. And I love watching like scripted, you know, uh, comedy genres of, you know, different kinds. Yeah, so I love those shows. A good comedy, I will, I will totally just binge. And comedic movies. And for music, I, I love the more like, you know, upbeat ones. I, I, I don't really like the depressing because I do listen to the lyrics. So like, I don't necessarily <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I do listen to them. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, you know, it's sad. I, I'm not necessarily into that, but I, I do love, you know, good, like, you know, upbeat music and I love comedies. Nice. So as we get to wind down this interview, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Uh, the best way would probably be to uh, visit my my website online, which is uh, .com, M e i r a v z u -R com, And there you can see a bunch of silly stuff I've written and done and, and more about Inconceivable and where to see it and all my social media. And on social media, I'm more active right now through the Inconceivable show handles. Um, so on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, sorry, it's an inconceivable show on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. On Twitter, it's inconceivable because there wasn't enough space. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? I'm oh, totally wow. serious. But I thought it was wow. funny. So I was like, I went with it. I was like, that makes sense in a way. <laughs> that I, wow, that, that might be the funniest thing I've heard tonight. Thank you so much for that. That's, that's brilliant. All right. Yep. So I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Yes, and.
And okay. that's the basic concept of, of improv. And it's the, it's the basic thing. Just keep on going, go with the flow and add on to it and move forward. All right. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on this show. I know it was a lot of back and forth to make this happen. And a lot of stars. Oh, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. But yeah, this has been an absolute treat. And I want to wish you nothing but the absolute best success for your future. Thank you so much to you as well. Thank you so much. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 104. I want to thank Mayra for taking time out of her incredibly busy schedule to come on the show. What an absolute delight, and I wish her nothing but the best for her future success. Tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. All right, a few housekeeping items before we close out the show today. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Look on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And I want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of the entire team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, please do your part to help those less fortunate than yourself this holiday season. Keep reminding yourself that the pandemic ruined a lot of lives financially, so good people are struggling. Please help however you can during the season of giving. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show. And we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duvall Show.